0: are joining in via Facebook Live to the Rock Church's live Sunday morning service streaming, coming to you from the Ledge Community Coffee House here in Squamish. Uh, if you are tuning in for the very first time, my name is Rudy Botha, and I am the Associate Pastor here at the Rock Church. It is fantastic to have you with us as we gather online. And uh, we would appreciate it if it is your very first time. Please reach out to someone there in the chat. function or chat room, Uh, someone from our connect team would love to find out who you are, find out how we can serve you and pray for you. Just before we get started with this morning's message, just again two short announcements. As usual, the Kids Rock Virtual Sunday School is available on our website. I'm pretty sure that our parents uh, know exactly where to go and find that on www.therocksquamish.com. But then on the same uh, note, we have now advertised uh, the position of the Kids Rock Ministry Director. It's a part-time position. And those of you that receive our e-newsletters, you would have seen that and uh, saw the instructions there that if you are interested in looking into that position, you may apply online through our website. And yeah, we we are praying and hoping that we will find the right candidate to go and fill that position, um, yeah, for this next season that we're going into. So uh, that's it for announcements. Uh, we are now today on the third sermon or message in this series that I titled "Knowing God." And we have been looking at the practice of discerning God's voice, how to discern and how to listen and how to know what the, the voice of God sounds like in our lives. And it is based off of the fact that Jesus himself said that, my sheep listen to my voice and they follow me. That is what he said in, in John 14 verse 26. I do not have it up on screen. And he says, We listen, his sheep listen, present tense, right? And if we are Jesus' sheep, then it means that we are supposed to hear his voice. We are supposed to see him speak into our lives on a daily basis. And if there's anything that you would have picked up if you have been following the last two sermons... You should have heard the following that, yes, we, we know, we believe this, God speaks today because Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. But primarily, He speaks through His Word. He speaks through the Bible. You cannot expect to be hearing what God wants to say to you if you are not looking to hear from His written Word, first of all. But God then wants to take that written Word... He wants to take what He has spoken. He wants to take what He has revealed to us. And He wants to make it a living word, a rhema word. That is what I uh, spoke on last week. A living word. As Jesus said, we will not live of bread alone, but every word, a living word that comes from the mouth of God. And apart from the Holy Spirit... We can do nothing apart from the Holy Spirit. We cannot understand anything that God speaks to us. We need the Holy Spirit's revelation in our lives. And that is what we have said. That's the foundation that we work from if we want to actually discern and hear God's voice in our lives. And that is why we have this theme verse out of John 15 Verse 5, where Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. And that is our theme verse. That is what we believe. We believe that what it looks like to remain in Jesus is then to sit at his feet and to hear him speak into our lives by the power of the Holy Spirit. And that the proof of that will be the change in our lives, the repentance that happens, the fruit that it bears. As John the Baptist spoke to the Pharisees, right? Like when they came and they heard of him and they wanted to now come see how he was baptizing and the message that he was preaching, he said, listen, uh, you brood of vipers, who warned you of the coming wrath, Bear fruit in keeping with repentance. So show the fruit of truly hearing God's voice. Change your ways. And if you make a mistake, if you do sin, come and acknowledge it. That is what we're looking at in the lives of people that follow Jesus and grow in Him. And so today's message will be focused on specifically now looking at God's still small voice. And that's the message title. The message title is knowing God's still small voice. It's mainly going to focus on two questions. What is the still small voice? How can I recognize the still small voice? And then we will have a listening prayer practicum at the end, which I hope all of you who have joined in so far, that you're participating in that, that you do have something handy. Like Jeff there at the back, he's got his journal that we picked up for him from Dollar Store (laughs) two weeks ago. Great, Jeff. That's fantastic. Um, So, yeah, please make notes. There's a lot of Scripture references today. So, again, please uh, just dot those down as we go along. Before we carry on, let me just pray for us and ask the Holy Spirit's help. Yeah, Father, we thank you. Yeah, that we can come and sit at your feet and that we can come and listen. Father, we come and invite you in by your Spirit. Holy Spirit, come and speak to us. For we are listening, Lord. Come and reveal to us what you have for us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Right, so the first question, what is the still small voice? What is the still small voice? Um, My goal with this is to demystify this notion of God speaking. Okay, we have got a lot of people that are scared of this notion that God actually speaks to us because of a misuse of it. And we need to demystify it and look at what it actually is. Last week, I spent some time focusing on the various kinds of sources of voices in our lives. We have in the kingdom of light, we can have the new self as in accordance with Second Corinthians 5.17, that you are a new creation, you have got new desires that are fueled externally by the word of God, by the spirit of God, and then other external ways in which God empowers His church to speak into your life, to build you up and to help you grow in maturity, and to be sanctified. Okay, that is the goal, to grow in holiness, to be sanctified. But in opposition to that, I also differentiated and said that there is, of course, in the kingdom of darkness, also that internal voice. It's the old self that has to be denied, has to be denied. It's the old sinful nature that has to be renewed. And that sinful self is empowered through Satan and demons. And and the way that Satan has done that is is in the same way that he had done it from the beginning of time. In Genesis 3, when he spoke doubt into Adam and Eve's ears, when he said, did God really speak? And he's still saying that. He has been whispering it now in the last two weeks, perhaps, in many of our minds, that he asks the question, listen, are are you really hearing God? He still does this. But I believe that the still small voice, as we will see, is primarily what we see happen in the lives of believers. And it's the the most common way in which God speaks to believers in their everyday life. Um, Many old church fathers and preachers also believed that they could hear God's voice on a daily basis. Let me give you a couple of examples. Augustine, Francis of Assisi, Martin Luther, John Wesley, George Mueller, Andrew Murray, Charles Spurgeon, D.L. Moody, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, and A.W. Tozer are some of the old preachers that believe this. A.W. Tozer actually said that he believed that all people could hear God. Not just Christians, all of creation. And listen to what he says. I quote him. He says, It is my own belief, And here I shall not feel bad if no one follows me. He's saying this is his own kind of like way of looking at it. That every good and beautiful thing which man has produced in the world has been the result of his faulty, sin-blocked response to the creative voice sounding over the earth. If we think about it, Matthew 5 verse 45 says, the second part of that, that verse He, this is God, causes his sun to rise on the evil and the good and sends the rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. It's kind of like what Tozer is is basing this off of, the, the common grace that God has given to all of humanity, and because of that, God speaks, and that No one can, for example, say that they have done anything out of their own power. Everything is a gift of God. And and isn't that an amazing thought? That God is at work in the lives of people that don't even know it yet. Got to believe that. I've been challenged with that this week. Because so quickly I can react like Peter out of the flesh well, I'm frustrated, I don't see the fruit that I'm expecting, and I vent, and I, and I say, God, why, why do you have me in this place? People are not even seeking you. But then if we look at Scripture, we know that He is actually at work. And so the, the point that I want to make there is that God's common grace could imply that all people can actually hear Him. The question is, are we listening? Are people listening? Are we as His children listening? Am I personally listening? In Psalm 14, David kind of like also writes and he he vents a little bit. He says, and this is the truth, of course, because it's inspired by the Spirit. This is the, the situation that man is in. He writes there, The Lord looks down from heaven on all mankind to see if there are any who understand, any who see God. But all have turned away, all have become corrupt. There is no one who does good, not even one. But the fact of the matter is just because people have turned away from God does not mean that God has stopped looking. Look at that first part of that verse, The Lord looks down from heaven on all of mankind. And He didn't just look. He came in the flesh. He came seeking the lost. He came preaching the good news of the kingdom of God that is at hand. And that is what we can rejoice in. That Jesus makes the invitation to everyone who decides to trust and follow Him. To have a real relationship with Him that He does speak, and we can hear His voice. Now, a verse I was reminded of this week, Hebrews 12 verse 25 talks about this. It says, See to it that you do not refuse Him who speaks. Capital H, Him. Do not refuse God who speaks. And a thought came to my mind. I'm not, listen, I'm not super geeky. I don't know Greek. I don't have all of the great tools. I just had this thought come up, go and look up what is meant here with speaks in Greek. And then I saw that the classical Greek for speaks, laleo, actually means talkative or chatter. So do not refuse him who is talkative. (laughs) And that was just an amazing word for me because it reminded me of this picture of my... Daughter, My three-year-old daughter, Miriam, she's now almost three and a half, and she is extremely talkative at the moment, very chattery, even to the extent that before she goes to sleep, she still talks. She wants to keep on talking, and then when she wakes up, she starts talking. When I put her down for naps, the last thing she talks about is the first thing that she also talks about when she wakes up. She's like, well, I want Dad, what about this and that? It's kind of like that. And, and I thought to myself, hey, isn't this perhaps what Jesus invites us to? What he says, listen, if you do not become like a little child, if you don't become like a little toddler, if you don't become like a toddler who wants to constantly be talking to me, you cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Perhaps that is something to think about in that picture. And so that is what we're working from. That's our premise that God speaks and that He is talkative, that He wants to speak to us. And the still small voice, we're going to now look at what that actually is. The, the main scripture that I want to use for looking at this still small voice or a whisper comes from 1 Kings 19. Before you throw it up there, Jonathan, um, Just quickly, some context. The situation in 1 Kings chapter 18, and in that, uh, the book of Kings is, is of course, the nation of Israel has gone astray. They have rejected God's word and his laws. They are now living in sin. Uh, There is a split in the kingdom, northern kingdom, southern kingdom. And in the north, in the Samaria region, there is a king, an evil king called Ahab. He's got an evil wife, a queen called Jezebel. And they have led the people astray by letting them worship false gods. Babylonian gods, Canaanite gods, Baal and Asherah. And they have up to 850 prophets. 450 for Baal, 400 for Asherah that constantly babble and prophesy into the ears of the king what these gods are saying. And they had murdered and killed God's prophets. There was a servant with a king, Obadiah. He had, he had protected and hid a hundred of God's prophets. But then there was one prophet, Elijah. He was despised by King Ahab because Elijah spoke God's truth. And what had happened was God then called Elijah to go and confront Ahab and go and confront these false prophets on Mount Carmel. And the way that it would work is it's the standoff. Um, He challenged these prophets. He said, listen, okay, you build an altar, you sacrifice and slaughter a bull, put it on the altar. I'll do the same. We pray to our gods, the God who comes down with fire, who takes up the offering, that's the real God. And so, Elijah sends the message to the whole of Israel, to the people. They need to come and stand. Now, you can imagine this. This is now a big gathering. It's, it's pre-COVID. They can do it without face masks, and they are there to see this big showdown, okay? And so what happens is the prophets of Baal go, they dance, and they do their uh, prophesying. Nothing. Baal does not speak. They go to the extent where they cut themselves. Blood is flowing. They are Just screaming, Baal, where are you? And Elijah is very confident in God. He actually says, listen, maybe you need to shout even louder. Baal has maybe gone on a trip somewhere. He's away. There's nothing. And then Elijah prays. And God responds. He takes up that offer. And it says the people then declare that Yahweh is Lord. In other words, they, they are turned back to God. And then Elijah, of course, orders that those false prophets be captured. And in accordance with God's law, they need to be executed. But then, message comes to this evil queen, Jezebel. And she sends a message back to Elijah. She says, ha, I'm coming for you. I'm going to kill you. And Elijah runs away. He runs to Mount Sinai. Or Mount Horeb, it's the same mountain where Moses received the Ten Commandments. And now he's hiding there. He is tired, emotionally drained. You can, you can imagine this. And now we pick it up in 1 Kings 19, verses 11 to 12. The Lord said this to Elijah, Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord. For the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. And when Elijah heard it, He wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And behold, there came a voice to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? Now, isn't it interesting how God calls Elijah to do this work for him and then the response of the enemy, right? Like that is, that speaks into the lives of believers. If if you follow God, In obedience to what he has called you to do, you're going to get opposition. You're going to get threats from the enemy. Just like Jezebel, Satan and demons want to threaten you. And he runs away. And then God speaks to him. But it's kind of like a theological statement God makes here and says, Listen, don't don't go and look for me in the loud voices or in the loud things out there. The earthquakes, the wind the fire, the experiences. Can God speak through that? Yes. But the way that God speaks to him is through the still, small voice, a whisper. And he asks Elijah this question, why are you hiding here? What what are you doing here? Now, I can already hear some of you say, okay, but hold on, really. This This is the Old Testament times. This is a capital P prophet. One of the greatest prophets that had ever lived. And of course, he was taken up by a chariot of fire. He never actually died. God took him up in heaven, right? It's a f- crazy story. But you might ask, but listen, how, I, I hear God speaking in this way, but, you know, does he still do this today? Like they didn't have Jesus yet in, in that time and the Holy Spirit wasn't poured out yet. Maybe that's why God spoke in that way to people. But I've got to tell you that that is exactly why I do believe that we see in the New Testament God still speaks in that way because, in fact, the promise was given that He was going to pour out His Spirit on all flesh. In other words, not just some people, not just priests, not just capital P prophets, but all people will be able to hear His voice. An example I've used many times is Acts 8 verse 29 where we see again that example where the Spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. It's that situation again where Philip, he's not even one of the main apostles. He's a normal believer who had come to faith in Jesus. He is equipped and empowered by the Holy Spirit. And he hears God, God's voice. The Spirit speak to him, commanding him to do something. And when he's obedient, he sees the fruit. A quick example out of my own life, I'll give you two examples where I saw good fruit, <laughs> it was evident that, okay, I heard right. And then the second example is, it's not bad fruit, uh, it's good fruit in the sense of what it taught me. The first example was the one time I was at Costco with, with John and we had just done our shopping at the, uh, I call it nowadays, it's the $1,000 store. It seems like you never walk out of there with a bill less than $1,000 these days. But we finished shopping, and and then afterwards, we normally go to the washroom, and I stand and wait there with the, the shopping cart. And the one time I was standing and waiting, and I just all of a sudden got this thought that God wanted me to pay attention to who is around me. There's someone He wants to speak to. And, and I saw this one lady standing there. She was at a, a stall. She was like advertising or doing some marketing for a product. And I don't like those moments. It makes me feel uncomfortable, Um, which uh, I believe the Holy Spirit's job is to comfort us when we feel uncomfortable. And so I was like, oh, Lord, no, I don't want to go there. (laughs) And I just in that moment knew, okay, this is a prompting, the still small voice telling me to go and ask her if I could pray for her. Because I saw there was, something, there was something wrong with her leg. She had a brace or something on. And I was like, ah, okay. So, walked over there. And as I came closer, I just saw that she had a necklace on. And there was a cross on her necklace. And I felt a little bit more encouraged. And I asked her, listen, please excuse me if this is super weird. Uh, but I was standing there and just praying. And I felt God. Tell me to come and ask you if I can pray for you. And her response was amazing. She was just very welcoming. She was like, you know what? I would really appreciate that. And so I I prayed. And that was it. And I walked away and I was encouraged. I was like, okay, Lord, yeah. Okay, thank you for that. But then I had other examples (laughs) where I sent something And then I didn't get the same response, Um, maybe in Savon, with a a store that I think I went in one time, and I felt God prompted me as well, a specific word, and I asked the person a question, and the response was, no, you've got the wrong guy. (laughs) And I had this conversation with God, I was like, Lord, what is this? Why on earth would you want me to do, like, did I hear wrong? And the thought that came to mind for me there was as if God was saying to me, Rudy, are you willing to be a fool for me? Are you willing to be humbled? And those are two examples for me where I've heard the still small voice and where I've, I've seen the fruit of when I do pay attention in the everyday life that God wants to use us he wants us to partner with him to encourage those that he is already at work uh, with in their hearts. A second passage or scripture that talks about how God speaks is, of course, and I mentioned this last week as well in 2 Corinthians 12, verses 8 to 9. We know how the apostle Paul had a thorn in the flesh. He described it as Uh, a messenger from Satan to torment him. We don't know exactly what that was. And we know that Paul said he he prayed many times to Jesus, please take it away. And listen to what he says. He says, three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. He could hear Jesus speak that to him. And many believers might listen to that and say, well, I don't hear God in that way. I don't hear him speaking to me. Like I'm satisfied with him speaking to me out of the Bible. I can clearly read what Jesus is saying. And and I read and I do my devotionals in this time of day or at night. But to hear God speak to me throughout the day with a still small voice. And I want to say to you that you couldn't have become a follower of Jesus unless the still small voice was speaking to you. Because it is the Holy Spirit that brings that conviction and the thoughts in your mind and, and, and a conviction in your spirit, in your heart, that this is the truth. This is who Jesus is. I want to trust Him for His provision for me to be forgiven for my sins and to live a new life for Him. There's no other way that you could be in that place unless you have heard God. So I want to encourage you that if you're a follower of Jesus, you have heard God. You can hear Him. If you have not trusted Jesus, He is speaking to you right now. He is at work in your life right now. John 6 verse 44 says, Jesus says, There's no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them, and I will raise them up at the last day. How does the Father draw someone? I would submit to you by the Holy Spirit and that still small voice. Another example out of my life was when I was 23, I responded to that still small voice in a church gathering that I was going to together with Jean. We were dating at that stage. But in that moment at the end of that message with an altar call that old-fashioned altar call call of listen if 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 you feel God is calling you to follow him with everything, come to the front for prayer in that moment I discerned two voices. the first voice was speaking this into my heart and mind Rudy, you're okay you you've you've gone through this many times you don't have to get up because. Hey, the people are watching you. They're going to think, what on earth? Why is this guy getting up? He must be a huge sinner. It's kind of like always before that point in time, this old self that was in my mind that I was wrestling with. But then there was the other voice where I just knew that I had to trust God. There was a still small voice that told me, Rudy, trust me. Go to the front. I want to heal you. And on that day, I trusted Jesus. I responded to His call, and I never looked back. The main idea from this first point on what is the still small voice, I just want to say a couple of, of big points here. Jesus is still speaking through His still small voice by His Spirit Every follower of Jesus has heard his voice. Otherwise, he would not be a follower of Jesus. Every follower of Jesus can hear his voice. Jesus says, my sheep, listen to my voice. Are we listening? Finally, I'm going to end off today with, okay, how can I recognize the still small voice? And two main points under this. First thing I want to say is that the still small voice can take the form of thoughts that are our thoughts inspired by the Holy Spirit. It is those thoughts and desires that the Holy Spirit, through His Word, is speaking into us, the new creation. An example out of Nehemiah 7 verse 5 is when Nehemiah senses that God put it on his heart to go and assemble the nobles. He writes, God My God put it into my heart to assemble the nobles, the officials, and the common people for registration by families. And this is that context again of how we've sensed the calling that he had to go back from where they were in exile to Jerusalem to go and rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. It is a voice that that he heard not necessarily through an audible voice, but mainly through a prompting that he can and, and we can hear by the Spirit in our inner ears, in our, in our hearts, and in our minds. And that is how we can recognize that it, it's ideas and thoughts that come to mind that would not necessarily be yours. <laughs> it would not necessarily be your thinking. An example out of First Corinthians, or a, a verse actually, a passage that talks about this truth. The Apostle Paul writes this in 1 Corinthians 2, verses 10 to 12. He says, Who knows the person's thoughts or a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. What we have received is not the Spirit of this world, but the Spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. Who knows the thoughts of a man other than his own spirit? Who knows the thoughts of God other than the Holy Spirit? We have received the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? Listen to this. Verses 15 to 16. The person with the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, makes judgment about all things, so can discern all things. But such a person is not subject to merely human judgments. For he, for who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. If you have the Spirit of God made alive or has made your spirit alive, so the spirit indwells within you and illuminates God's word to you, it means that you can think about God's thoughts. You have the mind of Christ. It's what the Apostle Paul also writes in Romans 12, verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. So it's a renewal. Your mind has to be the old self. The old mind has to be renewed with God's thoughts. So it firstly comes in in that way, through thought. Secondly, I want to say that how you can recognize it is that the Holy Spirit's thoughts may also be attended by feelings to a greater or a lesser degree. It's not mainly feelings, because we know feelings come and go. But emotions play a role. Two scriptures I want to use as an example here. The first one, Luke 24 verse 32. We know after Jesus was resurrected, He found two disciples on the road to Emmaus. The one person was called Cleopas. And Jesus explained to them the scriptures there. And then we read in verse 32, they asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They were basically saying, listen, weren't we fired up while he was speaking to us? In Acts 7, verse 37 to 38, we see Peter, when he preaches to the people, it says the people heard this, they were cut to the heart. And in verse 38 there, Peter replied, repent and be baptized. So it's an emotion, I'm cut to the heart. I'm sensing God is saying something to me. So it's thoughts and feelings. And that is how you can recognize it because you have to go and then measure and test those thoughts and feelings to the unmovable Word of God. And we're going to do that now by looking at the characteristics of the still small voice and comparing it to what the Word of God says here before we go into our practicum. I'm going to say to you that the still small voice, how you can recognize it, first of all, the first characteristic is this. The tone is convicting and not condemning. It's a convicting tone. Romans 8 verse 1 says, Therefore there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation. It's not a condemning voice and saying that you're such a, a worm. You're worth nothing. No. It is a convicting voice of showing you where you are wrong, where you're in sin. And then that truth of there's no condemnation for me, there's no wrath of God on me because Jesus paid the price. Secondly, the message is affirming, not accusing. Galatians 4, 7 says, you are are no longer a a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. So it's affirming of who you are as a child of God, affirming of your identity in Christ. Not accusing you of that you're not good enough. The accusing voice will tell you, hey, uh, you're not doing enough. Look at your life You need to do more. You need to work hard at it. God must not be pleased with you because you're you're not sharing your faith enough. And we need to discern and say, hold on. Is this from God? And I need to many times also watch out that, I don't, that I'm not like Peter who is actually a voice for the enemy into people's lives. A third characteristic I want to share there is his voice is inviting, it's not excluding. It's an inviting voice. Matthew 11 verse 28, come to me, Jesus says, all you who are weary and burdened, I will give you rest. It's an inviting voice. It's an inclusive voice. Everyone is welcome. It's exclusive about Jesus, who he is. He is the only way. But it's inviting. It's like, come to me. Come sit at my feet. And then last one I want to share. His ways are truthful. The voice is truthful. It's not deceptive. You can trust him. As Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. It will lead you into truth. I'm going to end off just with one last illustration. I've shared before how I had a father who struggled with alcohol abuse. And so periodically he would drink and get drunk. And on one such occasion when I was 18 years of age, he was drinking and I was in my room doing my homework and I heard a confrontation happening outside the window. We lived in an apartment and my dad was in a confrontation with our neighbor. And I realized there was a bit of trouble here and I, I rushed outside. And as I came outside, there was a confrontation and my, my dad was on the ground. I'm not sure what had happened if the neighbor had pushed him, but he was ready to, to punch him. And I jumped in between. But I was furious, and I I screamed at my dad, and I said to him, listen, you're drunk again. Get inside. He went in. I apologized to the neighbor, and as I came in, my dad was furious with me. He had very hurtful words to say to me in that moment. He called me a coward. He called me a hypocrite for calling him drunk in front of our neighbor. And at that moment, it stung very badly. And, and it stung even more because in that same year, my, my dad passed away. And so he, he died in a time where there was really bad relations between the two of us. But here's the thing. When I started following Jesus after the age of 23 and in my walk with Him and sanctifying work and, and trusting in Him and, and starting to discern His voice, Jesus reminded me of that situation and what had happened in my life. And Jesus said this to me. He said, Rudy, when your dad spoke that, you got to understand, that was your dad under the power of Satan because he was drunk. And it was all a lie. You are not a coward. You're in actual fact a very brave man. But then Jesus said this to me. And your father speaks the same words to you, your earthly dad, because he is with me, and he smiles, just the way that I'm smiling over you. And I could believe that because I know that my sister confirmed it with me that before my dad died, he confessed to her that he had made his uh, his ways right with God by repenting, and he asked forgiveness. And that I can trust that I will see Him one day. And I share this because I don't know where you are at and, and what are some of the wounds and words that you have heard in your life. And where they have kept you and maybe put you in a place where you have resisted the Father of Heaven's voice that is a loving and confirming voice in your life. And maybe today is that place where you will actually hear the truth of how He feels and thinks about you and His promises for you as we move into this time of listening. And so we're going to do that. I'm quickly going to again explain to us what we're going to do for our practicum today. You should know by now, starting off, we're going to give thanks to God. Be in that place of being thankful and expressing your thanks to Him for how good He is to you. Then after that, I'm going to encourage you to look up Psalm 103. And to let God speak to you through His Word. But I want to encourage you to make use of the following acronym. I'm going to place it there for you on the screen to listen to what he's saying. It's basically these questions What command do you have for me? So, command, capital C. What application perhaps do you have for me? What application? What message do you have for me? What promise do you have for me? What understanding do you want to teach me? What sin do you want me to confess? The acronym is CAMPUS. Where? listening to His voice, we're on Jesus' campus. So campus, command, application, message, promise, understanding, sin. So meditate on Psalm 103 and, and wait. Wait until you have a thought of maybe, maybe it's something out of those six questions that He wants to talk to you about. Then you're going to respond to God Follow what He is leading you in. What does He want to reveal to you? What is He calling you to understand or to apply in your life? And then at the end, I just want to say, uh, if you go onto our website, therocksquamish.com, you will find the Knowing God series. And under there, you will find a link to some homework, again, for this week, where you can journal and Scriptures that you can use this acronym, CAMPUS, to go and journal. What is God saying to you? Okay. We're going to play some music and let us journal. And then when we come back, we will end up end with a worship song.